Good morning. This is the show we have been waiting for for a month because today on Screen Cleaning, we bring you Scream Cleaning. (laughs) Was that too loud? Yes. (laughs) But it's fine because we're only going to do it once, right, Jeff? Uh, I make no promises. Well... I may scream if my film doesn't move on in this bracket because today we are finally going to find out which movie is the winner of our scary movie bracket? We are. We are going to crown a winner today. We had 16 movies available. You could have seen it on Twitter or our various Facebooks or email. Uh, and we put together a bracket, and today we crowned the champion. And hopefully you got your votes in on time because the listener with the winningest winningest bracket is going to walk away or listening to their headphones because... They get a free Audible code. Yay. And we want to invite our uh, special guest producer. Well, she's not our special guest producer. (laughs) She is our regular producer. But we want to invite her her to the mic because she is going to be our moderator on the show today. Mickey, why don't you tell us what your job is going to be and uh, what we can expect? So I have spent... About two days asking our judges and talking to them and compiling the master bracket. So I do know the winner. (gasps) And I know it's not going to be the one that I chose, but that's okay. We'll have to see. I don't know what you chose. So I'll read a synopsis of each movie. Okay. And then there'll be a little bit of discussion. So what are the four categories that we have here? So we've got children's, comedy, suspense... And monster. Mm-hmm. Cole, you are going to be excited for this because you are a horror aficionado. I am. I've been pushing for more Octobery themed things, and this year we did it. Uh, this is you this is be spoiled. my favorite. You got a little spoiled. Four <laughs> Halloween shows this month. Yeah. What are we going to do as a follow up next week? I don't know. Hmm. We'll figure it out. Putting the Halloween decorations away. Aww. We'll do a whole show on that. Get ready for Christmas, maybe. Anyway, Mickey, why don't you tell us what we have first in our children's category? Okay, our first matchup. We've got Hocus Pocus. Here's Mm. the synopsis. A curious youngster moves to Salem where he struggles to fit in before awakening a trio of diabolical witches that were executed in the 17th century. (gasps) Whoa, this is a children's film, right? Yes. Oh, okay. And a very good one, but I'm supposed to be unbiased. All right, Hocus Pocus versus the witches. Here's the witches. A young boy stumbles onto a witch convention and must stop them, even after he has been turned into a mouse. I can't stand those witch conventions. Yeah, they're they, pesky when they, they never clean up, up after town. themselves. And uh, they book up the whole hotel. You can't get a room. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> So as I was watching, I had never seen The Witches before. I am very familiar with Hocus Pocus, but I watched The Witches for the very first time this year. And And? I was blown away with how kind of similar it is to Hocus Pocus. You have witches. You have being our protagonist being turned into either a cat or a mouse. And then you have cat and mice play in both. You have just a general fighting against these ladies uh, that sometimes look really horrifying and sometimes look beautiful. Okay. 
Well, I don't believe that I had seen Hocus Pocus in the theaters as a kid. And it's definitely one of those films that you have to grow up with. It came out when I was 10. I just guess I'd never got around to it. Um, But The Witches, I am very familiar with. I had read the book and I had seen and been terrified by the movie time and again as a kid. Um, I think it is too scary for kids. But, you know, there are, there's a big group of kids out there that like being scared, and I think this movie is for them. What's scary other than the makeup on Angelica Houston? She gives a terrifying performance. Uh. Now, listen, this, is, this movie um, is one that was worked on by the Jim Henson company, and you'll see why once you watch it, because there is a lot of puppetry and makeup involved. And Angelica Houston does shine as the Grand High Witch. She steals the show from, I mean, Rowan Atkinson is is in this movie, and he kind of has a minor, less funny part than we're used to seeing him have in in movies. No Johnny English. That's right. That's right. But Angelica Houston deserves a lot of the credit. The Jim Henson Company deserves the rest. I, if I had to choose, the witches would beat Hocus Pocus, handily. I tried to take myself out of this because you had talked before about how you didn't necessarily grow up with Hocus Pocus, and I did. And just comparing the two on their film merits, I still am a Hocus Pocus guy because Hmm. The Witches just – it was made in 1990, just a few years before Hocus Pocus – um, but it feels like a 70s British movie, the way it's filmed. It's kind of grainy and that. not good quality. Some of the camera angles just take advantage of trying to scare you by, oh, it's scarier because it's tilted now and zoomed in. But what about the little girl stuck in the painting? But Creepy. What about everything in Hocus Pocus, starting with the beginning uh, back in the 1700s where kind of the witch trials were happening and establishing itself as this is where the Sanderson sisters are coming from and now put them in our modern world. You get fun family goofs as well as a little bit of terror when you think that they've beaten the witches, trapped them in a kiln in the school. Uh, it's much more exciting of a ride. Cole, it's a bunch of hocus pocus you're spitting Boo. out right now. So, Mickey, what film – and we should mention who who selected the winning film of each uh, round. So we have three judges who shall remain anonymous, but they were neither – there weren't any of us. Okay. We have nothing to do with it. Okay. Jeff and I are fighting for our brackets just as much as you all are fighting for yours, listeners. If we were the judges, then I didn't get that memo. So it's definitely not us. <laughs> right. Well, we're not the judges. But these judges did declare a winner for this matchup. I know what they're going to say. Do you? Yes. Because the their winner was – the witches. Whoa! Yes. Wow! I love it. I was. I'm so surprised because that film is so obscure now. Very few people know about the witches. It seems, but everybody knows Hocus Pocus. Do you know how many people's brackets you just destroyed right there, right. Mickey, with that very first pick? My own. I had Hocus Pocus as the winner. Wow! Actually. I had Hocus yeah. Pocus going quite far as well. Yeah. I will keep track of the people's bracket as well, and unsurprisingly, the popular opinion among our listeners is that Hocus Pocus should have won. I don't think now I don't think anybody's walking away with that audible code because nobody's <laughs> progressing. Okay. So, that was the first face off in the children's bracket. What are the next two films? Okay, our next matchup, it's The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. The Peanuts Gang celebrates Halloween while Linus waits for the Great Pumpkin. Versus Coraline, 
where hmm. an adventurous 11-year-old girl finds another world that is strangely idealized version of her frustrating home, but it has sinister secrets. I want to point out right off the bat, this is another film that Cole had not seen. Coraline, he yeah. watched it as an assignment, and it's just shocking, Cole, because um, you know you've got a good candidate for a scary movie when during the opening credits – you're already getting creeped out. It's this little spindly mechanical arm that's sewing together this doll that's super creepy. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely too scary for kids, but it's also too beautiful to look away. This is directed by Henry Selick, who did The Nightmare Before Christmas, a film that is curiously missing from this bracket. I'm sure we'll talk about it later on. In Christmas time. And it's a, such an amazing film that came out the wrong year, unfortunately, because when it was nominated for Best Animated Feature, it was up against Up, The Princess and the Frog, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. So it was a tough, tough year. 2009 was good for animated movies. It was also in the midst of our 3D revival, and that's the only knock. I I watched Coraline for the first time on my TV on a DVD copy of it, and the only... The only little nitpick I have is that it looks like it was released in 3D, and now I'm just watching it on a TV. There's a lot Hmm. of times where you get that kind of hokey reaching out towards you um, that would have looked cool in theaters, but I didn't quite get it you know, when I was just sitting on my couch. Other than that, the concept of this movie is amazing. It's it's nightmarish, the way Coraline bounces between the two worlds, and it reminded me a little bit of a movie that scared you once upon a time, Jeffrey, The <gasps> Wizard of Oz. Ooh. The way characters from her real life start showing up in this kind of dream, or in this case, nightmare version of reality yeah. in just a slightly different way. I loved it. Now, Cole, are you going to forgive me when I say I don't care for It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? I would have if you hadn't just complained about Hocus Pocus. You're <laughs> punching a hole in everyone's childhood Halloween. No, but but here's the thing. I didn't vote for this face-off, so it's, you know, it's totally up to the third-party judges who moves on. I just feel like it's... The the narrative of the film is so nonlinear, like it's so obvious that this is just a string of comics that were put together in a 20-minute movie for a, a quick cash grab. Um, and here's how I would describe it, or here's how I would describe the ending, because it kind of just ends. Like a rotten pumpkin being dropped off a balcony, it ends with a thud. Yeah. I I like The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I certainly also grew up watching this as well. But when matched up against a really beautifully put together Coraline, I also vote for Coraline. Thank you, Cole. Now, what did our judges say, Mickey? Well, you might be a little disappointed (gasps) because the winner was It's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. How dare you, third-party judges. They with the people. The people's champion also in this matchup was The Great Pumpkin, Probably because they were, you know, scared of being lynched or something. (laughs) I don't know. One of our judges mentioned he he did love the line um, when they're all getting their candy and Charlie Brown says, I got a rock. Which is a good line. This is why my wife hates the Peanuts cartoons, because 
Charlie Brown always gets the short end of the stick. Everybody seems to be mean to him, and he's always depressed. So, uh, But he perseveres anyway. Charlie <laughs> Brown is a hero. All right. Well, I didn't get my way, so I think we need to move on. All right. Next category <laughs> is the comedy section of the bracket, where we have four different films matching up. What is our first matchup, Mickey? All right. We have Ghostbusters, in which three former parapsychology professors set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. Sounds Does familiar. Does anyone really need that synopsis? <laughs> uh, okay. Ghostbusters versus Clue where six guests are invited to a strange house and must cooperate with the staff to solve a murder mystery. Now, before I say anything, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, I'm probably not going to choose the popular pick on this one. That's so a nice I'm really limb curious. you're standing on. I'm, uh, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about these two films, Cole. I love Clue. I mm-hmm. grew up watching this one over and over, I, I, and I was thinking to myself when I tried to do some math, I think that Clue might be the single movie I have seen the most in my really? lifetime. Really? You've crunched the numbers. I've crunched the numbers, wow. roughly, thinking how many times I've opened up that VHS and stuck it in the VCR, and I think that I've seen Clue more than anything else. I can certainly quote it more than anyone else, but I know that I'm in the minority. So for because those Ghostbusters you, is the movie. For those of you familiar, unfamiliar with the term VHS, that VCR. is a video cassette. A, a uh, VCR is the the method of playing said videotape. Right. Just to catch everyone up on the same page. <laughs> Clue is fantastic. When Clue was first released, it kind of took people aback. We've talked before on the program about the three different endings and how they right. kind of botched the release. But when you watch it on your VHS, you can see all three endings presented as it should have been. As, right. But this is what really happened. Yes. So Go- uh, Ghostbusters is great. There's no argument there. But um, it's no, it's one of the greatest comedies okay. ever made. A lot of people say, and I, it's a great comedy for sure. But um, and it, you know that's mainly in part to Bill Murray and Rick Moranis, who is so funny in this film. Uh, some great lines, some amazing set pieces. My little boy was the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man <laughs> last year for Halloween. That's so cute. The cutest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> um, but but. I am going to go out on a limb and say that Clue is a more rewatchable film because they don't. There are plenty of big what at the moment, you know, at the time wasn't necessarily considered a tentpole blockbuster movie, although it was a blockbuster. Um, There are plenty of movies like Ghostbusters nowadays. I don't like Ghostbusters. Right. (laughs) The revival. There aren't as many films like Clue these days. Not only is it a mystery, but it's a mystery comedy. I love the different endings. And I'm sorry that uh, the marketing didn't work for this film and that people didn't go back and see it several times again and again and again. But the casting is amazing. A lot. There's somebody in this film that is in another one of our films we'll be talking about here in a minute, Madeline Kahn, who is one of the funniest actresses of all time. And she has one of the greatest bits in this movie where she gets so flustered as she's trying to describe how upset and angry she was. Flames? Flames? On, on flames? the side of my face? Breathing? Breathing? Yeah. Hot flame? <laughs> 
So many great cast members in this, including Michael McKeon from one of my favorite shows, Better Call Saul. Hmm? It's back, Jeffrey. If I had to choose, Clue would win. I also pick Clue, but I'm okay admitting that Ghostbusters might be the better constructed and tighter comedy. And I'm sure it's going to move on in the bracket. It was certainly our people's champion, unsurprisingly, but what did the judges say, Producer Mickey? They said there's definitely something strange in your neighborhood. Oh, so who are you going to call? Come on, the judges. Ghostbusters. Judges, get a clue. Get a clue, <laughs> would you? Man. Alright, well, we've got two other films on this in this bracket so hopefully the judges don't disappoint me on this one like they have most of the other ones we'll see okay next matchup we've got beetlejuice where don't say it three times please we'll be careful not to a recently deceased husband and wife commission a bizarre demon to drive an obnoxious family out of their home versus (laughs) young frankenstein where an American grandson of the infamous scientist struggling to prove that his grandfather was not as insane as people believe is invited to Transylvania, where he discovers the process that reanimates a dead body. Okay, I just want to say Young Frankenstein is one of the greatest comedies ever made, and I think one of the reasons it works so well is... Even though you do have a lot of the same silly lines and delivery that you see in a lot of the other Mel Brooks films, a lot of the jokes that land in this film are played straight, and that's why they're so funny. And It looks beautiful. It's in black and white, which the studio did not want to do in black and white, by the way, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, there are so many great one-liners and gags in this film, and... Uh, Put you know when it's up against Beetlejuice, I'm going to choose Young Frankenstein every time. Having said that, Beetlejuice is also a fantastic comedy. I love Beetlejuice, and it is my pick for this one because really it is. It's just so unique. You talk about how movies like Clue don't get made anymore. They're they're ensemble. That's an ensemble comedy with a lot of quotable lines. I've seen that ish kind of thing before, but there is nothing like Beetlejuice that's ever been done. The fact that your main character is just kind of this side thing that shows up and kind of gives you a few one-liners. The fact that uh, Danny Elfman and Michael Keaton and Tim Burton combined for this one in '88 and the very next year in '89 to give us Batman was a cinematic run that I would challenge to put against most other director, composer, actor combos. Um, I, I just think that the concept of your two main characters that you start off with dying, having them come <laughs> back with ghosts, having to hire a third party scarer in Michael Keaton to chase off these modernist kind of people with a very gothic looking daughter. It's amazing. I agree with everything you just said, Cole. Um, This is definitely Michael Keaton's best film, I believe, or at least his best role. Definitely one of of Tim Burton's best movies. Um, And I could never decide growing up whether I was terrified of this movie or if I just thought it was unsettling. But uh, it'll always hold a special place in my heart because when we would play hide-and-seek, my brother's method of finding me was getting me to laugh. And one thing that he would do to get me to laugh is spit out one of the lines from this movie where Michael Keaton says, we've come for your daughter, Chuck. And it made me (laughs) laugh every time, and he would always be able to find me. So, Mickey, 
Please don't tell me that Beetlejuice was one of the third-party judges like he was the third-party ghost. Mm, He was not. (gasps) Maybe next year we'll ask him. Mm. So Young Frankenstein moves on in the real bracket. Young Frankenstein moved on in the people's bracket. Not too surprising. Not too surprising. Okay, so we started with eight films on that side of the bracket. We're left with four. And when we return, we're going to head on over to the right side of the bracket to give you the films that will be moving on from the suspense and monster categories here on Scream Cleaning. But before that, we are going to give you a little snapshot of one of the winning films so far, Young Frankenstein, which, as we've already established, is fantastic. (laughs) My next pick is definitely on my list of top ten favorite comedies. It's a loving tribute to the Frankenstein films of director James Whale, entitled Young Frankenstein. It's pronounced Frankenstein. Oh, sorry. In the film Young Frankenstein, the great-grandson of the late mad scientist Dr. Frankenstein travels to Transylvania upon hearing the news that he's inherited his family's estate. While there, he becomes intrigued with his great-grandfather's work after he stumbles upon his journal, and with the help of his servant Igor... Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You're putting me on. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. Man, I guess I need to work on my pronunciation. With the help of Igor, he sets out to reanimate a corpse. Uh, You know what? Nobody wants to hear me blab about this movie. Also, it's Friday. Friday. So bring on the funny clips. Here are three good ones. Number three, the introduction of Frau Blucha. I am Frau Blucher. This is my assistant, Inga. May I present Frau Blucher? Blucher! Number two. Dr. Frankenstein tries to tame the monster. No matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, do not open this door or you will undo everything I've worked for. Do you understand? Do not... Open this door. Let me out. Let me out of here. What's the matter with you people? I was joking. Don't you know a joke when you hear one? (laughs) And number one, Dr. Frankenstein and the monster perform for a sold-out audience. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. Dressed up like a million dollar true. This Halloween, if you want to die laughing, be sure to check out Young Frankenstein. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or rumbarellas in their midst. dreams while you're awake that of course is a clip from one of the movies we'll be talking about here in just a minute the sixth sense i remember that film so well uh at the end of the movie i don't want to give too much away i don't i think everybody knows what the big spoiler is by now but uh, bruce Willis is dead 
Oh, I was going to say at the end of the film, Bruce Willis has this ghost cornered and he says, yippee Kaye," and then he kills the ghost. That's the other version. That was the seventh sense. The director's cut? That was the alternate version or the alternate ending, I believe. But welcome back to Scream Cleaning. We really need to develop better screams. Maybe just we've never been really scared. Jamie Lee Curtis just finished up a movie. Maybe we can have her next time. Maybe. She's got some free time on her hands. Yeah. But we've already whittled down our scary movie bracket here on the show today. Which ones are moving on, Mickey? Okay, moving on, we have The Witches, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Ghostbusters, and Young Frankenstein. Okay, so those are some good, solid picks, right? Well, on the right side of the bracket, we are going to be finding out what's advancing from the suspense and monster categories. So what are the suspense films we're talking about today, Mickey? Okay, in suspense, here's our first matchup. So we've got... Rear window, bit of a tongue twister, where a wheelchair-bound photographer spies on his neighbors from his apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder. Ooh. So rear window versus the sixth, another tongue twister, the sixth sense. (laughs) (laughs) Say it five times in a row. A boy who communicates with spirits seeks the help of of a disheartened child psychologist. Okay. Well, these are two really solid films. Uh, Gosh. And even though the ending for The Sixth Sense was spoiled for me by Randy Smedley. You'll have to get over it one of these days. (laughs) I just like saying Smedley. I thoroughly enjoy this film. It is a solid mystery, a solid suspenseful film. And I think it could be the last great mystery film that we've had. Ooh, that's a Can challenge. you think of another one? Not on the top of my head because I also love The Sixth Sense. I think the thing that people um, give The Sixth Sense a lot of credit, credit for, and I'm one of them, is that even though it can be spoiled, even though the whole movie rests on knowing that Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time, one of the dead people that the kids see in Haley Joel Osment, is that even when you go back and rewatch it, knowing that, you can still appreciate how beautifully constructed the movie is and how And start looking for the clues. And start looking for the clues and seeing them. It's not, as opposed to some of M. Night Shyamalan's other movies um, that can be very ruined and lose some of their rewatch value, The Sixth Sense is the perfect one. And it's Donnie Wahlberg's best role. I didn't even know that was him the first time I saw it. This is like up there with Mark Wahlberg. Walk. Wow. There's another tongue it's twister. Hard, yeah. It's Next hard week day. we'll be doing tongue twisters. What about Weir Window with the wheelchair bound um, James Stewart? What do you think about that one? Did you say Weir Window with the wheelchair bound? Anyway, this is my second favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie. Okay. Second favorite behind another film that we'll bring up here later on in the show. Uh, this one deserves an annual viewing. It's one that could easily be performed as a play because it all takes place in one apartment. That's going to be a theme for this little portion of our market. Right. And one of the things that makes this film so great is that Alfred Hitchcock can tell about a half a dozen different stories surrounding all these people that James Stewart or Jimmy Stewart is people watching through his window. And you get their whole story 
without any dialogue. You know exactly who they are, what they're all about, the struggles they have, the things that they love. And that, to me, is really cool that you can do that. And he does it so well. But you know what else did that is a movie from the early 2000s with Shia LaBeouf called Disturbia that takes the concept of Rear Window and makes it modern and gives it actual scares at the end when he has to confront the bad guy. And I am not a big Rear Window fan. It's like fourth or fifth when we did our little Hitchcock rankings. I think I hear a ghost in the studio right now with no, me. No, what from... you hear is me trying to suppress my frustration and anger with you, Cole, over just – you compared this with Suspiria or uh, not, not Suspiria, Disturbia? Because it's the same exact concept. You have our hero that's bound to a specific location that ends up spying on all of his neighbors to cure some boredom and sees something that he shouldn't have seen. So, yeah, Hitchcock does it, but – it's also been done later on in a movie that I prefer. Wow, I, Cole. I just – I don't love Rear Window. For the much. record, Disturbia is nowhere to be found on this bracket, nor will it ever be Cole with Singer if I have my say, because Rear Window is the better film of these two. Our judges would disagree with you. They picked what? The Sixth Sense. Who? I, okay, As I want to know their the Twitter people. handle so that I can right. tweet them. I'm, they're anonymous. I'm, that's wow. why. Maybe that was why. They're saying the sixth sense is better than rear window. Yes, they did. Criminal. criminal. Hitchcock's going to get another chance, though, in our next portion. All right. I want to know where they live, at least, so that I can people watch them. Mm, I'm not at liberty to disclose that either. I'm okay. so sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, what's next? Okay. Next matchup, we've got Wait Until Dark where a recently blinded woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin-stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment. Family-filled fun. <laughs> Wait until dark versus Dial M for murder, mm. where a tennis player frames his unfaithful wife for a first-degree murder after she inadvertently hinders his plan to kill her. Oh, Cole, what do you think? What do you think? So these are both, as you mentioned before, kind of closed-in, one-room kind of dramas right. that could be done on the stage because they both were done on the stage. Mm -hmm. I prefer Wait Until Dark. I would have to agree with you that Wait Until Dark narrowly edges out Dial M for Murder. And I think the reason being uh, is... Wait Until Dark is just scarier than Dial M for Murder. Mm -hmm. Dial M for Murder is not scary. It's a great mystery. The mystery is mostly how are the how are the, how are the good guys, quote, going to pin this on the bad guy? Because everybody kind of knows that he's in on it, but they don't know how they can get him to admit to it or how they can prove it, right? There's something to be said for how Hitchcock committed to being in that one room that we talk about in Dial M for Murder because yeah. it took until about 35 minutes into the movie before we are anywhere else. There is just one scene between the two kind of main guys that end up going against each other that lasts for over 25 minutes. Right. At the beginning of your movie, like you talk about killing the momentum of something. Um, it took commitment. It's okay if... Some people like it. I think that it can get boring. Okay, but here's the thing. It takes a talented script or a talented director and a, a 
well-written script to get you to root for the bad guy. That is true. And also, I usually do not sympathize with the, quote, good guys. If there's any kind of, like, marital indiscretion involved, that's like an automatic I don't like you anymore thing. Infidelity is your line that you draw in the sand. And yet you don't hate Grace Kelly in this movie. I mean, you love everybody in this movie, including the bad guy, who is basically a British Jimmy Stewart who charms <laughs> he charms everyone in the film. He has this wicked smile on his face mm-hmm. the whole time. He's so good. But yes, I do feel like Wait Until Dark is scarier. Alan Arkin is – he just steals the show in this. He's typically known for doing more comedic roles, but he plays one of the bad guys in this film – and uh, this has one of the most effective jump scares that I can think of in a movie. It helps when you set everything in a dark place and wait until dark. So you right. and I agree that it's good. The hundreds of people that voted at home think that it's better. But, but I will say that it is the more seen film. It's it, More people have seen Wait Until Dark than Dial M for Murder, I would that think. That might be true. What did the judges say? Our judges said, Dial M for Murder is the winner. <gasps> the, the, I love the two <laughs> Hitchcock is, movies. Maybe I they then. just felt bad. They thought that Hitchcock deserved a spot in the next round, and so they uh, I guess. pushed him in over here. Wow. This is, I mean, this isn't an unpleasant surprise. I love both of these films. So, But this is going to throw a lot of people off, because I don't think, I, hardly anybody voted for Dial M for Murder. So this is, Yeah, pretty wow. interesting. I, again, I don't think anybody's walking home with that Audible gift code. Too or, bad. For your information, the one out of the people's bracket that received the least votes onto the next round was actually The Witches, which also is indeed moving on. Dial M was the fourth least. Uh, wow. uh, sorry, third least voted for movie. Sorry, so, sorry, listeners. Sorry the judges in advance. are busting some brackets. Okay, so... What are the next four films? Okay, our next matchup under monster movies, we've got Jaws, where a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer team up to hunt down a great white shark wreaking havoc on in a beach resort. I believe I've heard of it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, so Jaws versus A Quiet Place. A where- Quiet Place. What? A quiet place. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. Wow. It's better than the description sets it out to be. (laughs) I loved A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place is one of my favorite movies still this year that I've seen uh, because it uses the tension that it builds. This is a movie that I... I pity anyone that didn't go to see it in a theater oh, with yeah. people that were also kind of into it. The theater experience could have been very much ruined for this, but my particular one was with a bunch of people that respected the quiet and did not eat popcorn loudly or crunch their Kit Kat wrappers. Or It's the most unique theater experience I can think of that I've had. Again, yeah, nobody wants to be that guy that's opening up that Fifth Avenue bar, which I know is kind of a more obscure candy bar. But or slurping it, it a is slurpee. a good one. Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy or that girl. So it's so quiet the entire time, which makes the scares so much more effective and the screams from the audience members so much louder because they're on the edge of their seats 
uh, the entire film. It is a solid horror film. It's one of the best that I've seen in years. I am, however, dreading the sequel. They've announced that they're making a sequel. John Krasinski is on to write. I will say, I guess I would be open for it as long as it has nothing to do with the family featured in the first film. Do a Cloverfield kind of thing. Yeah, they need to to make it like an anthology, basically. But don't follow this same family. Give it a different approach. Try something new. But I miss the days where you can just have a solid film – that stands on its own without somebody trying to greedily cash in on more scares. Like Jaws did in the 70s. Oh, wait, there's an even the yet, worst, the worst sequel. The horror sequels are known for being terrible. But I would propose that the worst ones of all time are Jaws 2 and 3. And D. yet, and yet, Steven Spielberg was not involved in those. So he knew better than to, you know, he... He took his check and he ran because it wasn't a pleasant experience anyway. But uh, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Jaws 2 and 3 are worse than Jaws the Revenge? All of the Jaws. The sequels of Jaws are the biggest fall from grace of any bunch of sequels. I didn't think Jaws 2 was that terrible. It was nowhere near Jaws the original. Right. Um, But this is my second favorite scary movie of all time. I've hinted that there's another one that I like more, um, and I've hinted that it's an Alfred Hitchcock film, which we'll talk about later. I think that the biggest scares in this movie are from the dialogue because clearly the mechanics of the shark are not very scary anymore. But the shark was was never what was scary about this film to begin with. It was a happy accident that that shark did not work the way it was supposed to because then the the audience was able to fill in the blanks and just imagine what this shark was like coming from under the water up to snatch somebody's feet. So That opening sequence gets a lot of credit, and it is yes. for good reason um, to kind of set the establishing suspenseful tone. But A Quiet Place reminded me of Jaws when in their opening sequence a – a big scary moment happens and a big kill occurs from the monster that I think supplants Jaws as the greatest way to set the tone for your movie with the first time you see your monster doing its thing. So even though I think the the uh, beginning of Jaws is scarier, one thing I will say about the beginning of A Quiet Place, it like commits a big no-no. Like you're not supposed to do what they did in the opening for A Quiet Place. And it works so well. And because of that reason, you're scared for the rest of the movie because if that person Anything who goes, can happen. Anybody can go. Right. So I pick the newer entry. I pick A Quiet Place. And I pick a Jaws. I pick a Jaws. <laughs> and Mickey, let me hear some validation that I'm right. So sorry, our judges picked A Quiet Place. What? So what? It's a good Jaws isn't really yeah. a Halloween movie. No, we didn't say, say Halloween. We said scary, scary movie. movie. I think I need I to go know. find a quiet place right now and just cry because <laughs> this is this is really sad to me. 
we we specifically wow. went and found people that respect the art of the film. One of the one of our judges is a TA in the film department. One cool. is a well-respected film reviewer. I assumed that they would respect the older classic that is Jaws. I didn't pick up on that condescending tone at all, Cole. <laughs> I as opposed to the the two of us that just kind of talk about stuff on the radio, but like these people have an air of gravitas to them that I would think would they would pick Jaws. Pick, mm. Our people picked I tell a quiet you, place. It's a summer movie. You watch Jaws in the summer. Fun fact: Hocus Pocus is celebrating its 25th anniversary and did not move on in our bracket and is a Halloween staple. So then, why are we still talking about it? It was released in the summer as well, really? 25 years ago, despite why? being a clear Halloween kind yeah. of movie. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe strange. maybe I should just leave because clearly nobody cares what I have to say about these films. <laughs> I care, Jeff. Well, thank you. Uh, although our next argument might be our fiercest yet. Why is that? Because of the two movies going up against each other to clean out the end of the first round of the bracket. Okay. Here we have Poltergeist, where a family's home is haunted by a host of ghosts. With the most. <laughs> with the, <laughs> the host of ghosts with the most. Um, versus, so Poltergeist versus Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where two hapless fright handlers... I don't know. Freight handlers. Oh, freight. You're in a frightful mood, I was like, what is a freight handler? (laughs) Find themselves (laughs) encountering Dracula, the Frankenstein monster, and the Wolfman. Hmm. Okay. So Poltergeist and Abbott and Costello. Um, Before we talk about Abbott and Costello, let's talk about Poltergeist. All right. Okay. Well, but is Poltergeist really <clears throat> that good to be able to go up against the greatness that is Abbott and Costello? Okay, Frankenstein? have you has the Star Spangled Banner ever been so scary? Because that's what's playing every time before the screen goes to the. But have two comedians ever been scarier than going up against the Universal Classics? I think Jeff, that you and I need to go to the movie court about this. What you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. These are actual movies produced in a California movie studio. Both parties have agreed to cease their fighting and have their dispute settled here in our forum, the Movie Court. So let it be known to Mickey, our fearless and unbiased judge, that Cole took me to court, not the other way around. <laughs> Noted. So there should be some leniency uh, on my part. I feel well, like we'll I need see. an added defense. Okay, so I, you are going to make an argument for Abbott and Costello. Meets Frankenstein. Which means I am going to make an argument against Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I mean, you could do it for Poltergeist if you feel strongly enough. For no. It. Okay, so you've got one minute. And <laughs> Mickey, when does that minute start? It starts right in a few seconds and now. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is the single greatest way to take two comedians that have a long history of movies behind their belt and put them into a cinematic universe before cinematic universes were the thing that you do in the 21st century. All of the Universal Monsters had met each other in the House of Dracula back in the 1930s, and now they're coming back, but in a comedic way. You've got a lot of the old actors reprising their roles and showing up in the iconic ways and playing it straight, which I know you love in a comedy, Jeffrey, while you have our two hapless heroes that kind of have to interact with them on various ways. 
Abbott. So Abbott's the straight man and Costello is the little other guy. Uh, And they have to go up against seeing all of the horror going on in the background. Ten seconds. One doesn't and one does. And it is hilarious. This is okay. Is my time. Have I started yet? No. Okay. Some of the things that you praise the film for, I do not praise the film for. Uh, first of all, I take issue with the title. Abbott and Costello do not meet Frankenstein. They meet Frankenstein's monster. And Frankenstein's monster is maybe in two scenes in the entire film. It really should have been called Abbott and Costello meet Dracula because he is the main villain in this film. Uh I will say that there are a couple of good jokes. However, it's basically 80 minutes with a couple of jokes sprinkled in a a film that has nothing else in it. It's a bunch of, I saw something. No, you didn't. The monster they didn't know was right behind them almost got them. There were 100 close calls with not nearly as many laughs. And uh, basically, it could have been chopped and diced down to 30 minutes instead of 80 minutes with a wasted cast time. and a wasted premise. That is time. I get a little rebuttal, right? You do. 15 seconds. Yes. And on your mark, get set, go. I think you also ignore the fact that Lon Chaney as the Wolfman does a great job at kind of supporting our heroes through their cluelessness in all of this movie. And Frankenstein is in it more than you think. He's the first monster that they're introduced to. That's time. Okay. Now, if we had time to uh, to take a look at the evidence, you would see that Lon Chaney is actually not a very good actor when he's not in that makeup. And the best jokes of the movie have nothing to do with the monsters. So I'd rather just watch an Abbott and Costello routine. So what's well, it going to be, Mickey? You know, this is a hard one for me to judge because I've never seen Abbott and Costello. See, we don't have all the evidence. Right. But based on our arguments. Are based on the arguments? I'm going to have to side with Cole this time. I think he wow. made a good argument. Wow. Because Maybe I I'll have to watch. He convinced me to watch it. Mm. It is It's scarier than you kind of thought. Like, there's moments where they kind of creep up behind you. And Wrong. It's fun seeing one Wrong. guy see it and the other guy not. Wow. I love Poltergeist, though, so I won't be offended if the three official judges for the bracket did pick it. I know now, our wait people a did. Can we talk about Poltergeist for a minute? I think we'll probably get to talk about it in the, the next round. Well, hold on. <laughs> now, don't jump the gun there. Uh, this one is definitely not for kids either, which is interesting because it's a PG horror movie. And I watched it when I was like six. Right, but you're <laughs> one of those kids that, that we talked about earlier that a loves being scared. Case. Yes, right. the special – that's a great a great way He's to describe Cole. Case. He's a special case. Thanks, guys. There are some genuinely scary moments in this movie, and I will note that The Sixth Sense borrows a scene from this film. It's almost identical. It even takes place in the same room of the house. Um, there's no other horror movie quite like it. And I wouldn't say that's a great thing necessarily. There are just varying tones throughout the movie, so it's kind of difficult to... Put a finger on it. I've it's never a family seen anything quite movie like it. for a little bit, but then it takes a dark turn, and then you have the kind of goofy little umbridge-looking lady that comes <laughs> up to try to this communicate. This house is clean. I I think I enjoy like I talked about loving Beetlejuice. I love Poltergeist for a lot of the same reasons. It's weird, and you get a lot of different things into the same movie. And I think 
that it works. But the scariest thing in this film is the 80s interior decorating, for sure. <laughs> that is pretty scary. Or their scary. taste in children's toys with that clown. Right? Yeah. Who on earth buys that clown for their kid? Who creates Terrible that parents. clown? Somebody that Terrible toy makers. Is, uh, yeah, okay. Well, our winner was actually Abbott and Costello. <laughs> Goodbye, Poltergeist. You are kidding me. Wow. <laughs> I, wow. I love oh. these judges so much. <laughs> so I'm so happy we picked them. <laughs> mm, mm, okay. I mean, it's just 80 minutes. I'll never get back. Ever. <laughs> and I waste my time all the time. So just so going to put that out song. there. <laughs> okay. So moving on, we have what? Films that are going to be facing off against the other side of the bracket. Okay, from Suspense, we have The Sixth Sense versus Dial M for Murder. And in Monster, we have A Quiet Place versus Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. All right. Well, since my film did not move on, which I am going to note the film that I chose between Jaws and A Quiet Place, Jaws was actually my overall pick. But since we'll never get that far, I'll never get to say that. It's like Kansas losing in the first round of the March Madness. As a a consolation prize, we will share this little piece about Jaws with you. Does that music sound familiar? If not, then you're lying. That, of course, is from 1975's Jaws. Jaws follows the wacky adventures of a mischievous giant man-eating shark who stops by a New England summer resort town for a bite to eat. All right, I may have sugarcoated the description a bit, but in actuality, this film is terrifying. As a kid, I only watched this movie during the day because if I watched it at night, it would give me nightmares. Oh, incidentally, nightmare is the perfect word to describe this film's production. However, budget and shark malfunction problems aside, Steven Spielberg's Jaws was a huge hit. The the film, not the Jaws at the entrance of Spielberg's mouth. That would be awkward. And also grammatically incorrect. Anyway, the film also garnered four Academy Award nominations, winning three. And contains one of the best, and also improvised, lines in cinema history. You're going to need a bigger boat. The effectiveness of this horror film doesn't come from jump scares. Although there is one jump scare in the movie that is quite defective. Let's just say you probably won't ever want to go scuba diving at night again. Like any good scary movie, the chills come from well-written monologues that are well-acted and require us to use our imagination. Like this one from Robert Shaw's hardened shark hunter, Quint, describing a shark attack he witnessed after the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white, and then, oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in, and they rip you to pieces. Of course, highest praise, arguably, should go to John Williams' Oscar-winning score. 
Now, the film, unfortunately, was followed by three sequels. Brownie points for number two for coming up with one of the most effective ad campaigns. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. Oh, and it was also made into a Nintendo game. Oh, and here's an idea. Why not watch it outside while floating in your pool, eating a hamburger, or some other kind of jump? Go ahead. I dare you. Ghostbusters, a film that is moving on, while the movie Clue is not. This is Scream Cleaning, and we are doing our scary movie bracket on the show here today. Yep, and Jeff was kind of astonished about some of the movies that have moved on. I think our people are as well. We mentioned that a couple movies that not a lot of people voted for moved on, with Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein moving on as well. The three least voted for movies... The Witches, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, and Dial M for Murder in the People's Bracket all have moved on, busting wow. some of the more popular choices. Wow. I need to go find my quiet place, like I said earlier, and do a good cry. Or maybe I'll watch Clue, which didn't move on, or Jaws, which also didn't move on. How dare you, judges? <laughs> All right, so we've got a few films left. We need to go back to the left side of the bracket. And, Mickey, what is left? Okay. In our children's category, we've got The Witches versus It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. (laughs) And in our comedy section, we've got Ghostbusters versus Young Frankenstein. Hmm. All right, let's tackle that kids and family first with two picks that I didn't pick either of them. Wow. So now what are you going to do now that uh, you've been outvoted? Well, I freshly watched The Witches last night, but when it goes up against a movie that kind of carries a lot of sentimentality, now I kind of have a feel for where the judges are coming from. I am going to vote for It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. All right. Well, it's no surprise that I am going to vote for The Witches. It's the lesser known of the two films for sure, but it's definitely... Of a higher quality, and even though Roald Dahl did not like the film because it totally botches Charles the ending. Schultz that... liked It's a Great Pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Okay. Um, but the makeup and the puppetry and the scares and creepiness factor are just too good that on a scary movie bracket, The Witches has got to move on, Right. Right, Mickey? Wrong. No! Our judges picked It's the Great Pumpkin. Ugh. Because everyone, if there is one movie in the month of October that the most people in America watch, it is The Great Pumpkin. It, it should really? be The Great Pumpkin. I Charlie think it Brown. should be Hocus Pocus. Well, we're... Uh, it's fun for the whole family. I'm speechless. Sad and you little know what? Charlie Brown going trick-or-treating... You know what, Everyone though? with their ghost costumes, but one with just like a whole bunch of holes because they screwed it up. It's so fun. <laughs> if you tell me that young Frankenstein is going to lose to Ghostbusters, then I know who I'm going to call, and it's probably going to be my therapist. 
or me, because I'm voting for Ghostbusters above Young Frankenstein. I think Young Frankenstein's like my fourth favorite Mel Brooks movie. It's what? It's just it's not... the best. <laughs> it's the best Mel Brooks movie. It's not, and I cool. I do like it. It's I, Ghostbusters I, I enjoy anything not... that plays with horror comedy. Ghostbusters but... is not the greatest Bill Murray movie. That's true. I'll take Groundhog Day. I'm a I'm a proud Pennsylvanian. I, I don't mind admitting that. He's a little biased, but I would probably agree with you. All right, Mickey, what film is moving on between Young Frankenstein and Ghostbusters? Sorry, Young Frankenstein. It's Ghostbusters. On to the next round. So it's interesting. Who chose these judges? I want to know. We We did. did. Oh, darn it. (laughs) But it's interesting. The three of us that are in the studio right now... I think are in the minority because none of us really hold Ghostbusters in that high esteem that so many others do. I think we just accidentally picked three judges that are those kind of people. Well, I don't revere it like most people do. I wouldn't put it up on a pedestal. I would say it's it's a lot of fun. There are some great gags and lines in it. But but... a lot of people consider this one of the greatest comedies that Hollywood's ever put out. Wow. Mm, Wow. Okay. So on the left side of the bracket, we've got It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. moving into the final four. Mm -hmm. But what's moving on from the right bracket? What do we have left over there? Okay. In suspense, we have The Sixth Sense versus Dial M for Murder. Okay. And in our monster category, we have A Quiet Place versus Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I'm just so happy that it's still there. Oh, okay. Just so the listeners know, Jeff and I also picked the movies to be in the bracket in the first place. And if there was a single movie that I fought for, it was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And here it is in the second round, pulling the upsets. I just want to say, I think The Sixth Sense and uh, Dial M for Murder is more difficult than the choice I had to make between Dial M for Murder and Wait Until Dark. Mm-hmm. Because I never saw those two films ending up in the going up against each other. The sixth sense. All of your preparation out the window. Think on the fly, Jeff. For murder. Gosh, I I probably have to give credit to the sixth sense because it did something for mysteries and ghost story movies that you know. Dial M for Murder, as great as as it is, I don't know that it reinvented the wheel, and not not to say that the Sixth Sense did that either, but it was probably probably a little old hat by the time Dial M for Murder came out. It's kind of right along there with some of the other great Alfred Hitchcock movies, and it is M Night Shyamalan's greatest film. So I will say the Sixth Sense. And even just comparing them to each other, I agree with everything you've said as far as those directors' particular filmographies. Right. But even just comparing these two apples to apples as much as we can, I think the Sixth Sense does it better. Not even trying to force Dial M into like being as suspenseful as the Sixth Sense. Even just Dial M being a mystery thriller, I just don't think it does that as well as Sixth Sense builds suspense and does what it does great. Right. When it all comes down to it, if this is a scary movie bracket, Sixth Sense is the scarier of the two. And the judges agreed. They picked the Sixth Sense. All right. I got one right. One. Yay me. Your first one. <laughs> I'll go back and review the tape, but uh, we'll see just how many okay, we, do we got right. Do we really need to spend any more than like two seconds with this next bracket? I'm going to say A Quiet Place handily. 
I will vote for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because I'm just genuinely so that's mad, the one you think you. is better than of these two. No, Abbott and Costello, but I like it. Okay, but of the two, which one do you would you? That's the one you would pick on your own personal bracket. That's the one you would pick. Probably not. Okay, but I want to see it move on. But you're going to be wrong, right, that's Nikki? Okay. You are going to be wrong. It's a Quiet Place movie. Yeah, on. yeah. I knew it. No competition. Mm-hmm. People Thank just you. are too caught in the moment. They're Thank you, John Krasinski. Watching this brand new movie and forgetting the greatness of the 1950s and <laughs> okay. 40s. And... So we have the difficult task of whittling this thing down. Well, we don't want to have a dif- difficult task. The judges did all the work. <laughs> they did. Right? Well, that makes we it easy. talk about it, though. So we got four final films, though, right? Right. It's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, mm. versus... Ghostbusters, and The Sixth Sense versus A Quiet Place. For all of our lamenting in the first couple rounds about some weird movies moving on, I think that if Ghostbusters makes it to the final, then I'll be all right. Because even though the path getting here was weird, Ghostbusters is probably one of the seminal Halloween-y movies. I'll be all right if Ghostbusters moves on, definitely against the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Even if it wins overall, I'll be okay because I don't need you judges. I'll just go home and watch the movies that I like the best. I'm so sorry that you guys aren't going to be all right because the great pumpkin (laughs) moves on, defeating Ghostbusters. That great pumpkin (laughs) rotted long ago and... It's still stinking up our porch, and now it's stinking up our bracket. Ugh. I think you're just thinking about yourself, Jeff. Just because you picked it to lose in the first round doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be here. Okay, but the fact is, this movie's 20 minutes, and I can still barely stomach it at 20 minutes. We'll get to talk about it in the final. What's our other semifinal? Okay, The Sixth Sense versus A Quiet Place. I may surprise you, Cole. I would probably choose The Sixth Sense. Okay. I just think... I don't I don't want to accuse A Quiet Place of being gimmicky, but it could certainly be seen at... If you looked at two films and had to choose which one is more gimmicky, the movie, it would be A Quiet Place. The movie that relies on the twist at the end that Bruce Willis was dead isn't a gimmick to you? Um... It's not one that I would have seen coming if it wasn't for Randy Smedley. But Sorry, A Quiet Place I does I it, bring it up really again. well. I I think that I am a man of the people, and I feel where this train is going, and so I'm going to jump on while I still can. It's definitely going to be A Quiet Place moving on because everybody – like that was the biggest overall winner on the popular bracket, right, was A Quiet Place. It was. And I'm sure Mickey has is going to confirm that the judges agree. But you've been sure before, Jeff. And I, yeah. That's okay. true. The judges actually picked the sixth sense. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, my yeah. goodness. This is a, a pleasant surprise. A pleasant surprise. Yes, a pleasant surprise. Mm. So we have our final set in stone, just like we all thought it would be. Mm. It's it, a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, versus, versus the, the sixth, sixth sense. sense. How will you choose? For the greatest Halloween, scary, horror-ish movie of this year. And when we return, we will find out just how much therapy I will need, because it's down to the final two. The great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> 
or It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and The Sixth Sense when we return on Scream Cleaning. Also, are you doing Work this? Work all night on a drink of rum. Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. I hope you will bring me lots of presents. Welcome back to Scream Cleaning. This is the big moment that you've all been waiting for, where we finally find out which film is going to be crowned the scariest movie from our scary movie bracket here on Screen Cleaning. Well, it might not actually be that scary, but it's the best movie, so say our judges. So, And I think that's key, Cole. So say our judges. And I want to take a moment to apologize because I've done a lot of complaining on the show But it's all in good fun. You've had a commercial break to ruminate upon all of your... I found my quiet place. I've I've cried. And I've realized that it's okay that people have different opinions. It's okay that one movie that I love is not somebody else's cup of tea. I think that's what makes these scary movies so great is that they appeal to a very broad group of people. They do, yeah, because we're talking about the kind of movies that you can watch with your entire family. And before we unveil the winner, we do want to mention just a few movies that Jeff and I wish had made the cut for one reason or another, but also some movies that you got to watch the content on as well, because it's horror, um, and horror in general, you kind of want to be be wary. Two of the films we originally had on the bracket were a favorite of Cole's, Night of the Living Dead, And my all-time favorite scary movie was going to be on the bracket, which is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Now, we you've probably seen both of these films, or at least Psycho, and if you haven't seen them, you're at least familiar with the most famous scene from that film. But we just decided we would play it safe and keep them off of the list, even though they are spectacular. We just couldn't in... uh, Good conscience. Good conscience. Yeah. Uh, Psycho, them. the MPAA does say Psycho has an R rating. Um, and as a family-friendly program, we decided to take that off. Night of the Living Dead was 1968, and it was so indie that it didn't get a rating. But, um, it, but it has content that is but even it more definitely extreme has, than Psycho. Right. And just a couple of words of warning on, on a few of these films that we've already mentioned here on the program today. Beetlejuice is PG, but you've heard the phrase 80s PG, so you want to watch out for that. There's no nudity or gore or anything like that, but there is a uh, a very strong expletive spoken by Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice. I've said it twice now, so I'm not going to say it a third time. Uh, The name of the guy, not the expletive. Right. (laughs) Well, both. Yeah, you're right. Poltergeist is another film that was PG, but it was also 80s PG. Not for any nudity or any really language. But But a pretty disturbing scene where a fella, you get some of that 80s practical effect gore happening in this PG movie. It can kind of take you off guard if you were expecting kind of the family movie it was up until that scene. Not too surprising, though, considering it was directed by Toby Hooper, 
the director of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, another film that did not make an appearance on this bracket. And also maybe kind of directed by Steven Spielberg, a man that was pushing the envelope in those 80s PG movies with Gremlins and also the uh, second Indiana Jones movie, Temple of Doom. Depending on what story you choose to believe. Right. Could have been Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg. Now, Mickey, we want to turn some time over to you. Um, I understand that we have a little blurb that's been written about the winning film. Is that correct? Sort of. We have some... It's more of a sentiment from our one of our judges about okay. how he how he personally would have ended it because our voting was kind of an amalgamation of these three judges yeah. voting together so no one's bracket was 100% perfect. So which that's what I have. Which reminds me, if I had my druthers, which is a funny word, uh Jaws would have been the overall winner of this bracket and sadly enough, it didn't even make it past the first round. My personal winner was Clue and it also got knocked off very early. Really? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That's a solid pick. As far as like the fun factor of any of these movies, it's it's up there. This movie is so much fun. What if you had to choose, Mickey, if you had been one of the judges or just on your own personal bracket, what movie would have made it to the final pick? When I filled mine out, I had Hocus Pocus as the winner. My and, favorite Halloween movie. And you are not alone. I think we saw a large number of people that actually Picked pushed Hocus, Hocus, Hocus Pocus all the mm-hmm. way through to the end. Not surprising. If it it's wasn't great. for that recency bias behind A Quiet Place, I think Hocus Pocus would have won the Maybe people's won. bracket. Wow. Really? Is that close, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mickey, of the two films remaining, it's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and The Sixth Sense. I almost said A Quiet Correct. Place. Correct. What film is being crowned the overall scary movie on our scary movie bracket? In our number one spot, we have The Sixth Sense. Yes! Wow! I know! I'm so happy it just, it wasn't, it's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this statement from one of our judges, he first says about the winner, I had a sixth sense that this would win. Mm. A sixth sense. <laughs> and then he, but he also stated that his favorites were A Quiet Place and A Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And he kind of had a hard time choosing between them because he said, both of them are directed by people who know how to work with silence. While I suspect this was perhaps an accidental benefit with Great Pumpkin, I love how both these. Movies know how to build suspense and interest in the midst of a silent scene, which is true. Mm. Unfortunately, neither of those were the winner. That's right. There was a lot of silence in the Simpson home watching It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, but for different reasons. I think <laughs> well, just we Those are the places amused. you were supposed to be laughing, Jeffrey. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> wow. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for putting in all this hard work. And we are excited to reach out through email to the winner of our uh, scary movie bracket. I don't think there's anybody that got a perfect bracket. In fact, I think in the first couple of rounds, we just shattered most of these brackets. Yeah, we did. I don't think there was one single person with a perfect one. Well, again, there are so many movies that we could have put on put on here. And who knows? Maybe in another year, we'll do another scary movie bracket But uh, we hope you've had an enjoyable time playing along as much as we've enjoyed participating in and talking about each one of these films on the Scary Movie Bracket. 
Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's going to do it for this episode of Scream Cleaning. <laughs> Thank you, Cole. Next week, we are going to resume our regularly titled show, Screen Cleaning, every Friday here on BYU Radio at 2 p.m. Eastern. Happy Halloween. 